The Raconteur Collection presents Chapters, a book report podcast. This week, we'll be finishing up The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and also covering the entirety of Prince Caspian, both by C.S. Lewis. My name is Charlie, your host of Chapters, and I am joined today by Jack, our student, our pupil. I thought we were going to say our stupid, our like, stupid pupil. Just start insulting me. But we are joined by Jack, as we oh, were last welcome. week. Jack? Uh, ha- happy to be here. Happy to be here. A- excellent. I was going to ask, how, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. The reason you saw me laugh in there is because I looked at C.S. Lewis, and for some reason my brain was like, wouldn't it be funny if it was S.C. Lewis? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, be an alternate dimension. That would be weird. Anyways, that'd be weird. No, but uh, I've been doing well. Um, you know, not going to talk about work, but just want to say work's been going fine. Excellent. No, no real complaints, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. been playing Warzone. New season came out with it. Some broken guns as usual. It's Pretty really huge. irritating. Um, other than that, was talking to try a little bit, playing some Slay the Spire. Really enjoying that. Playing some Adrian Empires 2 with our brother George. That's been a lot of fun. And what else happened in the last time? Oh, Lily and I got together um, and we just chatted a little bit. And we talked about what goes into starting a root beer company. And mm-hmm. so soon I might start with like, I might start not like the company, but I might like establish it and then also work on like actually like basically boiling down and making like the syrup. Like trying different syrups and stuff like yeah. that. Because I was like, yeah. The way she explained it makes it seem like it, it's something I could do relatively soonish and just kind of right. in my off time. So without like any big upfront cost, which is always a huge Always a good plus. thing. Always a good thing. Um, we got our car taken in finally. Mm-hmm. Our our white one, our Malibu. Nice. Because I don't know if you knew, but the back wheels were always like popping. No. So we took it in. And the guy's like, yeah, I was driving it around and... I thought it was something in the trunk, but it wasn't something in the trunk. So I lifted it up. I noticed that your back tires were like kind of, you know, up in the car a little bit, like as if they were like on like a hill or something. Oh, okay. And so he pulled on one and it came down. And so basically what he said is that like the the shocks are not basically either lubricated right or something's not mm. functioning right in them to where like when they go up and down, it's like really juddery and like sticky. Right. Essentially. So. Thankfully, though, new shocks on that. The diagnostic, everything's going to be like 350-ish. So horrible. Dude, actually, we were thinking it's going to be like something bad. We spent like $800 on it. But thankfully. Nice. We're good. So that's me. That's been my week. Um, Excellent. I mean, I do have a little bit more, but we can get into it later in the podcast. Yeah. So we'll get into it later. We'll oh yeah, our... it's just something a bit, something yeah. a bit deeper, and this is not oh, the course. time to get deep. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, anyways. Everyone out there, sorry, that was a gross. Thank you for tuning in to the second episode of Chapters, hosted, of course, by the Racketeer Collection. As I said earlier, Chapters is a book report podcast. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave us reviews, rate us five stars, all the good stuff, please. Chapters is a book report podcast. <laughs> God. <laughs> Chapters is a book report podcast meant to bring a little bit of that fun back to reading meant to be a little bit of an exploration into books themes and really just the uh the art of reading itself you know which i find is becoming rarer and rarer in our digital world i was gonna call it like a fun book report 
like the Fook report, and I was like, that yeah, sounds so stupid and up. like like a swear. So, so Jack, sorry. No, you're good. The last time we got halfway through the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, we yes. got all the way up to because we had that one week warning, and you know, our life, my life was right. a bit busy. We got all the way up to kind of like the thawing of the snow. But yes. for everyone out there, could you give us like a brief recap of? Your thoughts of kind of like the beginning of the book up that first half. I actually feel that we stopped at a very appropriate part. Like it's a really nice split. Give me where did we stop exactly? Oh, so we we stopped right before like the thawing of Narnia. Was it as it was thawing? Yeah, or and like... I, th- I don't think you had gotten to the point yet where uh, Father Christmas gives them their gifts. Okay, okay, okay. They so, were just hiding in the little beaver hole. So before Edmund yeah. and that his his whole okay. Yeah, so you want me to start from the beginning of the book to then? No, no, I just want you to kind of give me your, you know, what your your recollections, your thoughts from last episode, if you remember any of them specifically. Mm. I So two things. Yeah. Remember him using and a lot, and us always describing it as if it was very much set up to be a play and read aloud. Oh, very much, very much read aloud. And, I mean, we'll get into it. That continues more in Prince Caspian. But, like, I really, I the more I've been, like, reading these books... Um, I've also been listening to the audiobooks as well. Yeah. Uh, just really appreciating how it's laid out. Like, yes, yeah. like it is, it is an easy read book, of mm-hmm. course. It's, it's, you know, for like young kids um, oh, and, young, so. and young adults. Um, but in a way, it's the approachability is less in the fact that it's not like a dense book because like it has some denser concepts in it. But um, just the way it's written makes it very. Um, what I, I feel like I already said approachable. Did I not? Yeah, no, very approachable. I so, would say so I would agree. Um, excellent. What other? What oh are, no, that's I just what wanted other parts to, of the question. No, no. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a little spacey. I'm not in the chapter's mindset. Just no, yet. you're you're just fine. I just wanted to kind of you know catch the audience back up. So for everyone out there, we of course joined the Pevensey children as they the ventured Pevensey into Asia. the wardrobe and very quickly get involved in the. Uh, and the whole prophecy of the world, you know, the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve business. And we got all the way up to the point where they met the beavers. Tumnus was captured. All the way up to where Edmund had kind Ma-ra. of... Yeah, the secret police. <laughs> all the way up to where Edmund had kind of left the beaver's house to go meet the queen. Yes. And they had kind of figured that out. And they're like, oh, where the heck is Edmund? And they're like, yeah, he betrayed us. <laughs> <laughs> like Mr. two beavers seconds. like, well... What did he hear? Uh, we got to go. So, yeah. and, you know, they left in a real hurry. Yeah. But Miss Beaver was like, no, like, I need to bring my sewing kit and my, my good yeah. things. And he's like, hurry up. <laughs> he is like that. That is very much. But, yeah, they go and they hide in that little, the little beaver, I don't know, hole, I guess it is. And they kind of rest there. And then they yeah, wake to I the like sound the... of bells. And they kind of are like, uh-oh, it's it's the white witch. <laughs> Mr. Beaver goes up there. <laughs> but... That's kind of where we left off last time. Of course, very, you know, very quick to get back to that point. But I have to say, I'm glad we stopped there because I, my favorite part of Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe is this latter half, is the thawing of the world and, of course, all the stuff with Aslan showing up in the stone table and then Aslan's sacrifice for Edmund and then the battle. And then, of course, the children getting back. And I love how they, you know, rule for however long, you know, tens of years. And then go yeah. back <clears throat> through. So that's kind of where 
we're headed and going. Of course, chapters is not necessarily a direct like overview of the book itself. You know, I would highly recommend anyone out there who has not read it. We're not going to be getting into the specific details of then they did this, then they did this. And so what are your thoughts on this part exactly? Well, we'll get into this like, you know, little bits here and there, but it's yeah, more we're about gonna, like... we're more talking about larger themes. So for anyone out there who has not read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you might be a little bit lost. I would highly recommend you pick it up. You can buy the entire Chronicles of Narnia for like 20 bucks, paperback on Amazon. That's what I did. And, uh, or any of the audiobooks online. I'm sure you can find audio versions on YouTube. I'm sure it's not. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you can find the book itself. The original dramatizations all on YouTube, all on a playlist. So, they're great. And this this is very accessible at this point. But, Jack, I wanted to. I like. Would you, are you going to hop into Prince Caspian? No, we're going to finish Line the Witch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, we're going to finish up Line the Witch and Wardrobe because I think it does lead very nicely into Prince Caspian. Yeah, sure. But I wanted to kind of get your opinions and thoughts on this first one of my i think favorite parts in the book where father christmas shows up and he gives them the gifts uh i particularly like how you know he gives peter the sword and the shield and i think it's a little funny how he gives you know um susan the bow and arrow and the horn which comes into of course major the major plot point in prince caspian mm-hmm. he gives lucy the little file and he's like yeah here's the knife but i don't want you in the battle battles are ugly when women fight and you're kind of like oh okay you're like well but then it's funny because then it's actually susan and lucy later who see probably the most grim thing of all which is aslan getting killed so it's kind of well i wonder if he was i feel like knew the word like girls because they're both like super young so like i mean even peter is young still but like you know there is kind of like that classic distinction between like you know, war, especially like in this yeah. time. Where you know, and I do want to get into a little bit of, I don't want to hop directly, like directly into the gender role stuff now or anything like that. We can kind of save that for, I think like general overview thoughts later. But what did you think of this part about the giving of the gifts and this kind of representation of father Christmas? When I was reading this out loud um, to Ellie, like I couldn't help, but just feel there's a lot of um, just like good feeling reading through this part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the idea of it's not just like winter anymore. They always say winter, but never Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. And so like now that it's Christmas, you're like, OK, so that means like winter's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what like Christmas means It's yeah. like it's it's drawing near spring's coming. Like good things are coming after everything thaws away. Um, and just like reading through this whole part was just like a lot of fun. And then going yeah. back and listening to the audio version the way it's done it's it's so it's just awesome and i like the fact that mm. you know he just has this i want to say like a magical bag basically yeah. that just kind of has the whole tea set in it yeah nobody's like nobody it. knows quite where he pulled it from yeah. i guess they assumed it bag but he, yeah this tea piping hot <laughs> and mrs beaver's like oh i thank god i brought the knife and you're like yeah i guess they, like i'm glad he did yeah it's just it's so like a lot of it like comes together and like culminates in a really just like wholesome moment that you really haven't had mm-hmm. in the entirety of the book up until I mean the beavers little yeah. thing, but it's very short lived. Yeah. Um, and this part is just like good all around, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's great, and I really like kind of the distinction he makes between this Father Christmas and then our like Santa Claus. How that he's like, of course, you've probably seen people who look like this in our world, but they're far more jolly and. But he says that there's kind of like this grave air about this one, like a little more serious, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I love, you know, that's why his father Christmas and not Santa. Of course, Claus. like I love how he gives Peter the sword and the shield and they're, they're just tools, they're tools. not toys. Yeah, it's great. 
fantastic. Tools. And then, of course, we have to jump back to Edmund, who continues. We talked about it a little bit last time, how when he's traveling to the witch's house, he's just blaming everybody else for how Blame miserable he is. Else, and he's like just filling his and head fact, with like, oh, it's going to be, it's going to work out for me. It's yeah. going to work out for me. All this good stuff's going to happen. But he just gets beaten down, like basically yeah. beaten in the place. Yeah. And in fact, I really like how in Prince Caspian, how you can see that he's grown. It's a really nice, especially reading them so close together, like seeing how oh, Edmund believes like Lucy sure. several times. And of course, we'll get all into that later. But, but yeah, he goes off with the witch as the witch tries to basically cut off the children as they're going up to the stone table. And of course, everything starts melting. I, this whole part yeah. is is written so well. Mm-hmm. How the sledge keeps getting like stuck, stuck in the you mud, know, and yeah. like they both have to get out. But like, you know, the trees are like coming to life. The sun's out. The snow's melting. The birds. The yeah. birds are singing. Like the trees are all green. The snow's falling off. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I forget. I don't think the dwarf has a name. Does he? Uh. I don't remember if he does. Bring into dwarf names when. Oh yeah. yeah, but um, he's like, this is no like you know yeah. thaw. This is spring yeah. or whatever. And <laughs> I'm like, spring. This yeah. is good. It's good stuff. And then they like they lead poor Edmund though, like you know, like basically like a slave, just yeah. driving him driving with a whip him and everything. And, and you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, yeah. he's like ten years old or whatever, yeah. you know. So it's it's, it's pretty brutal. Um, yeah, and it's but it's but it feels this whole scene. It's like we there's a weird contrast between yeah. what's happening and then what's actually happening, like on a world scale, right? You know, it seems although kind of fair because Edmund is pretty horrible, like trying to give up his. And I know he doesn't quite understand how serious of a thing he's doing, mm-hmm. but I mean, you do see it later, and of course, the children make it to the the hill of the stone table and they have like a pavilion set up there and of course they meet aslan for the first time and it's it's great i mean it's hard not to i I really tried when i um read this part again to really like picture what i would picture the first time and what really got me is that a lot of the times when he describes these animals in particular i think there's these two leopards that are next to aslan and he mentions one as holding the banner and i'm like but how and he does mention, like, there is, like, a almost a, a human quality to some of the animals, which I really like. There are pictures in this book of Aslan walking on two feet. I And, in fact, I was going to ask if that is something that you pictured. Because I never pictured it like I that. never once. There are parts where I'm like, how is he? He says picking up pings with his paws or catching things with yeah, his paws. And you're or, like, like, shaking hands. And you're like, yes, hold up. I know yeah, Aslan so is like he, a magical being, but he's described as this huge lion. Yeah, so I imagine he lifts his paw. like Yeah, yeah. like he just lifts it up and, you know. Yeah. But the way it sounds like he has opposable thumbs. I just spit. <laughs> no, it, it sounds it does, like he has yeah. opposable thumbs. <laughs> I'm just like. Yeah, and so I often, I do, I am curious because he never quite says Aslan standing on his hind legs. No. It would be really interesting to like know just, or to see a version of this where Aslan like weirdly like morphs between like being more human like but never quite mm. you know, like oh like he gets up to walk and he's like tall and has like the body of a lion but right. like it kind of you know what i mean but like, he doesn't it's not like 100 like percent animorphs <laughs> like animorphs that was for you michael animorphs um but yeah they of course 
meet Aslan and very, very quickly. And, you know, as Peter is talking to Aslan and he shows him Care Paravel, which I love that name for a castle. It's such a cool. I was like, there. Oh, man. Oh, man. I was like, Care Paravel. It's great. I was like, why does he say, oh, man? Oh, and it's especially great later on after they're they're kings and queens and the way they talk to each other. Yeah. The, oh my gosh, it was cracking me up. I was like, oh my god, he he went hard with that slang. Dude, I was trying to read that out to Ellie, and I'm like, this is like messing with my brain <laughs> a little bit because it's it and, is so like old and low and low. Doth how you? And I'm like, yeah, why? Just why? But it was it was it's a cool little interesting little yeah. tidbit. But but very shortly they hear, I think it's the sound of Susan blowing her horn, and the wolf is attacking them next Dude. to the tree. And that's where Peter first kills a wolf and is what he gets labeled as what wolf's bane or I don't know. Something like that. Something like, yeah, something. But, you know, he has his first battle. And I do like the fairy tale aspect in this and that like it's not. The violence necessarily isn't like glorified. It's just kind of something that happens. He doesn't really linger on it. He's like, oh, it was like a tussle of like heat, fur and blood. And that's kind of all you get. And then Peter is victorious. And even in the battles later on, you really don't. Like the movie, because I think of like the more recent, recent as in what, 12 10, years ago, 12 years ago at this yeah. point, I think of how much they kind of lord or the ringsified the battle at the end. Yeah, that is very And the true. battle is, they do talk about the battle a little bit, but it's not, it's in my mind, I picture everything in Narnia on a much more small scale because everything's pretty close together. In fact, like the witch's castle is not that far from the stone table. Like you don't, like it doesn't sound like. This mm-hmm. huge number of yeah, it's not like in, of, it's not like in Lord of the Rings where they tread for months, you know, towards right. to, to get across the land. Like the witch can get there in a day's ride on her sledge or yeah. whatever, you know. And the only thing that slows her down is the thaw. Exactly. Yeah. So it's whenever I mean, we'll get back to it, but yeah, when they come up upon like that battle near the end, mm-hmm. um, it's like a really it's only a couple pages long. Yeah, you know, and you see like. Oh, this is happening. This is happening. Some bad casualties. And then here's the aftermath. Yep. So, but, and I do like that though. Yeah, I do but too. It does at the same time feel like a good payoff to what's happening. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's described in a way that makes it feel, um, well, and important, but not yeah. like the central, like, theme of what's really going yeah. on. It's just like another part. Right. You know, and, you know, story. bridging up to that point, of course, then, you know, you have the whole parlay between the queen and Aslan and then Aslan's sad and yeah, Aslan, leaving. And, you know, but, I, I really like how they give him that quality a lot. They often say how he kind of looks sad. And I I kind of I know exactly what they're talking about. How when you look at like a really noble animal and you're like, they do kind of look sad. Like there's this like dogs, especially like solitary kind of like. But it's not like a uh, depressive sad. It's more of like a. Oh, the weight of the world. Yeah, they know the gravity of this exactly of like the current situation. And of course, that all leads up to Aslan sacrificing Aslan himself for instead Edmund, of Edmund. Yeah, yeah. and I, I love the idea of like the old magic. Oh, yeah. It's, and I'm not sure if in like the magician's nephew, if it's like if that's really explained. I don't really think yeah, so. Because I think the Aslan, old magic just kind of exists in Narnia. Well, and he mentions that like if the witch had gone further back before time had even started, that's when she would have discovered, you know, the older magic. It's, it's cool. And yeah, I, you know, I think it's pretty stark though. The, and this is, I think where the, um, 
the whole like analogy of, you know, the crucifixion really kind of hits the hardest is Aslan sacrificing himself and going up there. And it's it's a horrible part. And especially since you have Lucy and Susan as your observers who are watching. This oh, happen. yeah. And you all know, the horrible I monsters they describe. How they describe the, like, the monsters and the beings. Yeah. The beings. And these beings. That's for you, Dad. Um, and then when you see them in the daytime later on the battle, they're even more hideous. Yeah, they're and like vile. more horrendous. Yeah. And I, I was like, God, like these are freaky creatures. Yeah. Um, I'm picturing, you know, like I'm trying to think of a show that has like really freaky looking, just like goblins and stuff like that. It really, but, you know what it kind of echoes back to, I think of like very classic, like when you look at, think of like the illustrations for like the labyrinth or very Jim Henson, like just that kind yeah. of like work where you like, they just look evil. Like there's a lot of detail to them and. And it's so, you know, they shave Aslan, they put the muzzle on him and then he's just stab him and then, you know, he's dead and they all parade out of there. And, and of course, so it's, it, what's, what I really caught on to this time is that, you know, um, Lucy and Susan talk about how like ghosts and wraiths pass by them cause they can feel how cold it gets. And I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> what, what's, what's happening? <laughs> you kill those with a sword, do you? I mean, who knows? I, guess so. I, I mean, but I guess there's good spirits and stuff cause they always talk about like tree spirits and naiads and dryads naiads and, and dryads and the water people. God, they have a bunch of different types. I do forget because he, he does hit like the litany of. There are the scene. hammer dryads, and I'm like, what the heck are the hammer dryads? Yeah, so like the rock spirits. But of course, you know, then they go up there and they have all the mice. Which, of course, I like again reading this so close to Prince Yo. Caspian. It's yeah, we'll we'll yeah. get into that. Yeah, we'll get, we'll, it's cool. Oh, we'll get into that. And you know, they the mice eat off the cords because the cords are bound so tight. And then, of course, I oh, love how C.S. Lewis get off him. Exactly. I love how C.S. Lewis describes this part where he's like, you know, after, you know, if you've never lost anybody, he's like, this is the worst feeling. You know, I don't really want to describe it. And he's like, but I do like how he said, like, after you've cried for a long time, you don't feel like you can cry anymore. There's just kind of like silence. And he's really good at like, I'm like, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like that exact yeah. feeling. I know what you're talking it's about. It's almost like the explanation of like those German words mm-hmm. that like mean a very like much Specific. more deeper emotion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he really captures that moment. And then, of course, they the sun starts to rise and you hear the crack of the stone table. And, of course, they're like, what do they do to him? And he comes bounding back. And it's this is really, I think, why the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe ends so strongly. Because you have this, like, triumphant return. And, of course, the deeper magic still. And she would have known the yeah. deeper magic. And I like, I really like how it's like, you know, he gave up his life so Edmund could be saved the small detail where lucy and susan are discussing if they should tell edmund what aslan did or not Mm -hmm. i like that they choose not to tell him and i don't know if he ever actually knows yeah and that's like a really interesting mm -hmm. detail but like it kind of adds to the depth of this the relationship to edmund and aslan yeah that like on this unknown kind of level well and especially because Edmund proves himself kind of worthy because in the battle, you know, he's the one who goes for the witch as she's turning everybody to stone and breaks the wand. And he gets horribly hurt. And, you know, the battle is wrapped up real quickly. I mean, once Aslan arrives, it's basically like, oh, yeah. Everyone that freaks out. The, the he, I guess he just mauls the witch to death real quick. And then I guess so. I mean, it's it's pretty like. And that's when everyone is kind of like, oh, like, yeah. Leaves, yeah. And they scare him out. And of course. They're crowned king and is, is happy in peace and they spend, you know, their several year Aslan, of course, vanishes. But, of course, as 
Mr. Beaver tells him, you know, he kind of comes and goes when he's needed and he's he has other lands. He's not a tame lion. He's not a tame lion. Yeah. And yeah, I really like the detail that they live in this world for a long time. And I like how Lewis several times is like, this would be the end of the story, but. <laughs> and of course they go to hunt for the white stag, which mm-hmm. grants you wishes and they follow it. And who is it? I think it's Susan. Who's like, no, we shouldn't follow it further, but they're like, no, we need to follow it further. And of course they follow it further and further and further. And they pass the lantern and which they don't really remember, but they yeah. kind of I vague, say, yeah, there's a light on top of this. Yeah, steel tree. Light would be not useful for anybody who was here. And you're like, well, what if the trees grow around it? And of course, they get back, fall back, and no Mrs. McCready never came into that room at all. No time has passed, and the only person they tell is the old professor, who's like, "Hey, I wouldn't tell anybody else unless they've also had strange adventures." And you'll know if they had strange and adventures. You'll know. And that, I really that's like so yeah. cool. And it's just such a good, solid story. I mean. We'll get into, and we're about to get into Prince Caspian here, but I mean... How long are we going for Narnia on the sorry, Chronicle, the first book? What do you mean? How, long? How, 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 how Oh, time-wise? We're yeah. just about 25 minutes here. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. So, we're which leaves... Two hours? No, it leaves us a good amount of time to talk oh, yeah. about Prince Caspian. I was just curious. Yeah, and I have a lot to say about Prince Caspian. But, Jack, overall, I mean, this was your first book reading back in a long time. Um, what did you think about reading again, especially reading it again as an adult? Because like I said at the, you know, in our first episode, we're very familiar with these works. I mean, we yes. grew up with them. They were read to us. We've seen the movies. We've seen the dramatizations. I mean, everything you can think of, we've probably, I mean, except the, Chronicles like the, is, except the live action play is like really ingrained in our childhood and so, our family in a way. Exactly. And so what did you think reading it again and finishing it again? I mean, how did it feel to finish it? So I forget the exact last line of the book because I don't have it on me right now. But I don't know where my copy is. Yeah, where is the copy? I have Prince Caspian next to me. I've been shaking at Charlie this whole time. Um, But just when I like finished the last line in the book and I remember like reading that last line to Ellie. um, She immediately wanted to start with the next one. Yeah. Because I told her like, where am I reading the next one after that? Yeah. Um, But it was just it felt. I don't want to say it felt really good, um, but it felt like a new experience in a way. Hmm. Just try like reading through it, not only to myself, but openly and also then all again, listening to the audiobooks and trying to think about it more um, in depth rather than yeah. just like, hey, I'm enjoying the series. Yeah. Uh, it was um, it was it was. I want to say like rewarding yeah. in a way. Yeah, it felt good so. for sure. Was there anything, and I know, of course, we can talk a lot about different themings and stuff like that. And I think we'll kind of, I think we hit a lot of those really well in our first episode. But was there anything that stuck out particularly to you in the book? And it doesn't have to be. Like, you could feel like, I don't know if they were meaning this, but this really stood out to me and kind of meant this to me. Any kind of the messages or the feelings that you got while reading it? Nothing comes to mind right now. Nothing comes to mind. Nothing comes to mind. It's probably because it's been almost a month since we actually read it. But I think for me, you know, the line the Witch of the Wardrobe is the definitive entry into the Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, even when you go and look at like the mentions of Aslan, they're like, you don't know who Aslan is, but it makes you feel a certain way. And he's like, you can see him planting those seeds. And so while I 
I know people out there are very staunch defenders of the the you know chronological timeline order. I'm very much there are people who defend it. Oh yeah, I'm very much in line. I like the publication order. Have you been like going onto Reddit and stuff? Oh no no, I just I just know that. So there's a reason why they're laid out two separate ways. You saying that kind of sparks my thinking in that I do agree that I like the order we're reading at the publication order. Definitely like going into Prince Caspian, it felt like how it was supposed to be. You pick yeah, up kind of right where you leave off in a, in yeah, a way. Yeah. And I think the line in which the wardrobe sets a really good groundwork for the rest of mm-hmm. the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, the deeper magic, the different realms, mm-hmm. how many different areas there there are. Like, they talk about the Lone Isles, Lone Isles the, you know, and, the Seven Islands and, yeah. you know, the great, um, like, mountains in the north or whatever, the castles up there and all yeah. kinds of Like, there's a lot that they go into. Like, at the end, they're just boom, boom, boom. And you're like, oh, my gosh. So it's like labeling these things off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it really opens up the world. It's, it's like in Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. When you go into a new area and you see, you know, a castle here rolling hills here a mountain here and then a dragon off to your left and you're like what the heck is that doing over there yeah and he does that a lot yeah. you don't know yeah. so your only option is to go explore which is the books yeah so we'll go ahead and wrap up our conversation on lion the witch wardrobe here again we really should have probably hit the whole first book in one but we're gonna go ahead and hop over to prince caspian the main the main uh meat of this episode the meat and bones so i'm gonna put a description time sync skip to prince caspian prince <laughs> caspian i this is probably the one that when i think of before i read it i really couldn't place like the order of events i don't think i ever saw the live action movie they did like if there's i have like vague memories of like the duel at the end that peter has that's all i remembered from the movie too. yeah like very vague but like other than that i was really happy to get back into prince caspian i love how quickly this one starts and i love the the overall theming of coming back to narnia and it's they say they keep saying hundreds but i'm pretty sure it's been like a good like thousand something years by the way things have changed mm-hmm and so, Jack, jumping in to Prince Caspian, of course, I think it's immediately pretty different of a storytelling style, and I like how flexible it is. I think Prince Caspian expands Narnia as a world a whole lot. Yes. And so, tell me your initial impressions diving into it's Prince It's so Caspian. nice that there's no, literally no delay in going into Narnia. It starts off... They talk about when their buses arrive, and then they get pulled in the Narnia. It's like, like out. They're like, ah. Just like that, yeah. yeah. Someone's touching you. I'm not touching you. Someone's pulling me. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. Oh, it's great. And Peter's like, it's magic. I can tell by the feel yeah. of it. And you're like, Peter, my man. Yeah. Um, And I just, this also, I think, the characters really shine in the beginning, they too. They really do. They really and do. And you can tell that their time in Narnia definitely affected them. Mm-hmm. But, in like, they each grew into kind of who they're supposed to be in a way right um does it ever give us any actual age for the characters no you don't get an age but you do if they have say it's been a year since they've been an artist yes so it hasn't been too long because at the end of the book they say that peter and susan are too old to come back to narnia but peter's older than susan yeah and i think it's more of a uh like a spiritual oldness i can like they're done anyways and you, you go right back in, but you're in this 
you know, a bunch of trees. Yeah. And you're like, uh, they're like, what's going on? What is this? And so they're trudging through these woods. They trudge up to this, you know, sand and they, this beach. They trudge through this stream. And they finally come upon these ruins. And yeah. you as the reader know right away, like, of course it's Caraparavel. What else would it be? You know what I mean? Yeah. At least that's that's my perspective. Yeah. I think it's pretty obvious that they're in, like, Narnia hundreds of years in the... Yeah. And that's one of those things where I, I'm i so familiar with it. Yeah, I can't not see that. So it'd be interesting to know if someone else who's, like, new to the series, if they would be able to be, like... kind of immediately oh, that's, on that. Oh, that's Caraparavel. No, because I'm sure they would know they went back to Narnia, right? But, like... They don't really know. And you. I guess I do get the impression that like... Jolly well near Peninsula. That time does... Is very, very, very different. The time dilates strangely so, in the realms. Yeah, the, the ruins of Care Paravel. I, I absolutely love this. I love how it's kind of sad. Like, I love that feeling. There's like a sadness that runs through this book with just how Narnia's kind of been like subjected and taken over and like the men have come and you're like, of course, like... And yeah. there's just this, but it's so cool how they go through the ruins and they're like, well, but our backs would be to the door and they count the steps down and they have their gifts there. And the only thing missing is Susan's horn. And I love how you kind of through um, uh, Trumpkin's story, how you kind of realize, oh man, it all comes around to like, you're like, oh, and then it connects back and it's yeah, I, I very think, satisfying in that way. Speaking of meeting Trumpkin. I love the description of Trumpkin. I can't recall. I don't have it marked off the top of my head. But he is, when I was trying to come up with a voice for him when I was doing a, the thing for Ellie, I was I could not help but think of the, the audio book. And I was like, his voice has to be like an Irish accent, but without the Irish. Is like how I was trying to do it. I'm not going to do it now because I'll embarrass myself. But um, I love how... He is, like, super superstitious but not afraid. Yes. But you can see that the men that Susan shoots to, like, you know, save him are, like, gravely afraid. They don't even turn around, say what. They just jump. The one guy gets shot off the boat and the other guy jumps off and they just immediately start going for the other side. Yeah. You know, and you're like, they're horrified by something or whatever. And, but, like, Trumpkin yeah. isn't, but he's, like, really superstitious. And I love how, you know, d- during this whole time he's telling the story afterwards, they're, he and Edmund are sparring in oh, a little fight. Yeah. And he's, like, the air of Nari is affecting him. And you're, like, okay, this is yeah. cool. This yeah. is cool. And I do really like that, how they slowly are kind of, like, they're, like, waking back up as well as mm-hmm. they are back in Narnia. I just found the description of Trumpkin here. Like most dwarfs, he was very stocky and deep-chested. He would have been about three feet high if he'd been standing up, and in an immense beard and whiskers of coarse red hair left little of his face to be seen except a beak-like nose and twinkling black eyes. I want to say three feet's really short. Ellie's taller than three feet. Three feet's pretty small. Like three feet's real. That's like gnome size to me. Four foot's like a dwarf size. And I love, you know... Especially because you get, they rescue Trumpkin, of course, and they have the apple orchard, and they, they really kind of realize where they are, how much time has passed. And then, of course, Trumpkin tells them the story of Prince Caspian, Prince Caspian the Tenth, to be fair. And it's, 
this is the part of the book that I think I is probably my most favorite. I really like this idea of this like prince who just doesn't know. He's just interested. He his old nan tells him the stories and he's talking to his uncle Miraz, which man, Miraz, Miraz what, is done very well. What a name for like a villain. Like Miraz. Miraz. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and the usurper. Usurper Miraz. Miraz. And you know, he's talking to him, he's like, Oh yeah, I like the uh the and of course because you think she's just killed but then later she comes back which i totally forgot there's just like a little line oh that prince caspian's nan was like teaching someplace else <laughs> well no she was the sick lady wasn't she was that what happened i think so yeah i think she was the sick lady yeah anyways but of course then you get dr cornelius. cornelius which it was at this point where everything really started to come back to me where i was like oh, okay i'm really starting to like remember and not so much the movie, but like I remember this book specifically. I love the descriptions of going up to that the tallest the tower. tower, yeah, and how um, Cassian points out like we could have seen it better from like the West Tower, or whatever mm-hmm. direction it is. And Doctor Cornelius is like, that is true, yeah. but this is the taller tower with this many locked doors behind us, this many flights of yeah. stairs, so we can't like, be overheard. <laughs> yeah, and so immediately Cassian's like, is he gonna kill me? But then Cornelius is like. So here's everything you need to know about old Narnia. Yeah. And that's like so stuff, reveals cool. that he's a half dwarf, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, it's very cool. And how they have Fat, these meetings with long beard. <laughs> and of course, eventually Dr. Cornelius is also the one who's like, Hey, you got to get out of here. Mira's just had a kid. So he's had gonna a son kill- specifically. Yeah, he's going to kill you. So no longer is Prince Caspian heir to the throne because yeah. Mira's now has a blood son. Right. Which is real sad because spoilers, Mira's gets killed. Yeah. And his son's dadless. Yeah, son's That's dadless. always sad. I guess you assume that maybe he went back. I don't know. At the end. Anyways. But then, of course, Prince no, Caspian. Miraz gets stabbed in the back. No, no. His, like, family went back. Oh. Anyways. But at that point, you know, Caspian escapes. And he escapes into the forest and the storms. And he talks about how the trees might be trying to attack him. And then his horse, uh, what, Destria? Destria. You know. Great name for a horse, by the way. Flings him off. And then that's, of course, where he meets um, Nickerbrick, uh, Trumpkin, and... Truffle Hunter. Truffle Hunter, yeah. Which are all great. I mean, I think the highlight of this book for me is, like, especially, like, I love Truffle Hunter and the Badger. He's so good. And, like, this <laughs> one especially... once more. And we hold on. And we hold on. Yeah, they, they remember. And I love, especially, I like, yeah, I love how Trumpkin doesn't believe in any of the the stuff at all but he's like yeah i'll follow you prince caspian like i don't yeah. believe what you're saying to me at all but if you're the king you're the king and so i really like that about trumpkin especially and you see that when he's interacting like, with them he sees you know the good in people yeah and that's what he goes off of like kind of like he follows his gut mm-hmm. and which is usually right in yeah. a very cool way and then they basically go around to all these secret places in Narnia and they start kind of gathering people to them. And I love that part. It's so good how they, the centaurs, the centaurs are so yeah. freaking cool. I love how he describes the centaurs. I love like the giant who's really not that useful. <laughs> oh, um, what's his name? Wimble something. Wimble. Wimbleweather. No. Wimbleweather. It might be that. Is it Wimbleweather? There's a lot. One thing that is different, I think about Prince Caspian compared to, um, Chronicles of Narnia is there's a lot more names in this one. You mean, you mean Richardson's nephew? No, no. <laughs> Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. Not the Chronicles of the Oh, Narnia. sorry. Yeah, the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe versus Prince Caspian. There's a yes. lot more names in Prince Caspian. And I do, I did start to at some point, I just stopped remembering them because I was like, okay, like I don't, I don't remember all this. Like I don't remember these names. 
you get introduced to the classic Reepa Cheep. Oh, the Reepa talking, Cheep, one of yeah. the talking, the leader of the talking mice. Of the squirrel patter twig, too. Patter twig. <laughs> Reepa Cheep is great, though. He, he love, love Reepa Cheep. He's yeah. like a great character. He's great, yeah. And through the whole book, he's great. I mean, even when, like, Aslan, you know, sets up the door at the very end, and he's, like, sending the people through, and the guy's well, only like... Only one guy goes through, and, and he's like, hey, scared. how else do we know? And Reepa Cheep's like, sir, if you'll send me in there with ten of my mice, I'll go post-haste. And you're like... Yeah, okay, Reaper Cheap. And like, <laughs> slow down. Yeah. I mean, Reaper Cheap literally out-talks Aslan for his tail back, and so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, all his like, other mice are like, we're ready to cut off our tail if our leader can. And Aslan's like, whoa, whoa, okay, He's you guys like, have heart? You guys got gumption? Like, I'm, gumption. I love that. Yeah. Here's your tail back. But you bring all the way up to that. And so, Jack, through this point, and we're kind of, we're stopping right before the children kind of head out and before Lucy starts seeing Aslan and she starts speaking in the trees. Cause I, that Trumpkin part. finally believes them. Yeah. After Edmund bests him after Susan bests him. Yes. And after, especially Lucy heals, heals his shoulder yeah. or whatever. So Jack, up to this point, we're kind of, yeah. you know, covered a lot of the story, but in reading this one to Ellie, um, what kind of differences did you see? Was this one, did she like this one more? Did you get any more reception? Or is this just kind of more of the same where you're kind of just reading a chapter a night to her? And it's it's a little more of the same. Yeah. Uh, I do, she's asking me to read to her more often. So I think she is really enjoying it. Um, yeah. But, you know, when I first opened the book, I said their names are Peter, Susan, Evan, and Lucy. And she yeah. was like, that's from the other book. And I was like, there exactly. we go. That's how it starts right there, baby. Yeah. Um, and I'll ask her questions like, Ellie, what happened? And she goes, I don't know. And I'll tell her what happened. And she goes, wait, wait, wait. Let me try again. And then says what I said to her, like, as what happened. Verbatim. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. tries to be verbatim. Yeah. Um, so she is, like, interested, but I don't know if she really. Is that quite absorbing? Yeah. I think it's just more so the yeah. act of dad reading to her right now. Yeah. And then, of course. They start to see Aslan and Lucy sees them first. And I do really, really like how Edmund's like, we probably should listen to her. That first vote they have where everybody votes to go down and they vote to go up, you know, and Susan tends to be the one who's actually a little bit more on the I don't know. not pessimistic. Yeah, but she just doesn't. But yeah, she doesn't believe. And of course, they start believing and they all end up seeing Aslan and we'll, we'll skip but we'll skip the beat by beat description. But of course, I love the the waking of the forest as well. And how I do really like Aslan's appearance in this one. And I I think there is something and this is I think the first part of the story that really sticks out to me as something pretty profound is how Aslan basically tells Lucy that like, hey, go wake everybody else up and they have to follow you. And if they don't, you have to follow me. And I really like that kind of struck a chord with me because it was that's hard like having that blind not blind faith but just having i guess in this case it is kind of blind faith yeah. it is having faith and because i think about it i'm like man if kate well, woke me up and was like hey we have to leave i would probably like push her on it a little bit and be like what are you talking about like why do we have to leave like see if laura woke me up and told me to leave i'd be like all right let's go yeah and so i I guess maybe that's why it hit me as a little bit more profound because I do think I'm a little bit more on that skeptical side. Like I would have not, like I would not trust somebody seeing something like this. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, if it was in the Narnia setting, I might be a little bit more like, yeah, I mean, well, I think it's, it's also very profound that she wakes 
she chooses to wake Edmund first. Yeah. Then Edmund wakes everyone like everyone else up. Yeah, and Edmund's like, all right. Yeah, he's like, all right, all right, let's let's go, let's go. Like, Just imagine is... him being like, God damn, okay, get up, everybody. Yeah, exactly. I feel like he'd have a very um, very Michael reaction, like, all right. Oh, and I love whatever I love Peter's reaction when he he's like, of course, let's go, Lucy, and she's like, yay, and he like rolls over. He's just like asleep. I was like, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's great, Lucy. Let's go. I'm asleep. Yeah. I'm like, okay. That was like, that's a very me thing I would do. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. I like how Aslan slowly reveals yes. them based on how much they're actually believing, believing it. Not just like following Lucy to follow. They're like yeah. starting to more believe that it's actually yeah. Aslan. And so that's actually kind of the first point I want to stop our kind of retelling of events and really focus on this idea of faith. Because... And how faith strengthens the more you follow it, right? What is your what is your general impression of that? Because from my point of view, it I've often been much more of a skeptical wait and see. I need to actually see it to believe it person. Yeah. It's very hard for me to believe something like if a coincidence I, or Right. To like believe something as like fate or to believe something that when really I just don't think there is. But I wanted to kind of bring that up because this this section in this book did make me think like there are things that you just can't see that sometimes will call to you, whether that's religion, spirituality. I don't even want to necessarily say like, oh, hey, this is the because I have a feeling this is a pretty direct analogy for like Christian faith, like follow, like follow me and I'll lead you down the right path. Mm-hmm. But I think it's actually a little bit more profound than that. I think it's a little bit of a deeper thing that kind of ties into more of a just an overall spirituality. So what is your impression on that, Jack? And what's your stance on this? Because from the get-go, and I'm sorry, I know I'm, I always do this where I'll at, ask no, you a question good. and just keep Just making going. the question more intimidating to answer. But yeah, because like it sounds like you're, you are more on the faith side, whereas I am on a little bit more of the, the Susan side in this. Well, so I wouldn't necessarily call it faith. Um, okay. And how I so Hope. in this book, like you said, <laughs> dweeb, um, this is, it is much more of an analogy to faith. I, I do agree with you on that. Um, but I viewed it more so as you have like there you have you have instinct and you have like gut feelings. Hmm. You know how when I don't know, so have you ever been like driving and yeah. something in you's like I'm not that you should like slow down. Like maybe you should like I'm gonna take a different way today, or. You know, just like something in you is like, I don't feel right about going down this way. You ever feel that way? And like, it's not often just weird, like, or like about like a certain person, like, oh, like, I don't feel too good with that. Or, right. You know, it's like you have like these gut instincts where you're, you know, you're just base human something inside you. And I don't want to call it religion or a faith even. Just your natural instinct mm-hmm. pulls you towards something. Yeah. Because something is off about, you know, either your daily habit or what you're doing that day or this interaction you're having. Like something's off. And I do think that people have an innate um, draw to have like that feeling amplified, especially mm-hmm. if other people are this doesn't make sense, I feel like. If other people are following that gut feeling. So, like, right. so, I trust Laura's gut feeling. Yeah. Because it's often proven in the past, like, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And so, she woke me up and I was like, Jack, like, we got to go. 
something that doesn't feel right or, you know, we should be wake up and be alert for a minute because something doesn't feel right. I wouldn't be like, no, oh, what? I'd be like, okay, like I'm up, I'm good to go. Like, do I need to go make some coffee or something? Like I would be like, right. Because I trust her feeling on that. Just like I know she would trust my feeling on that as well. Right. Um, but I think people perceive that gut feeling differently mm. based on just past experience. Yeah. I don't know where this is going. I hope this makes sense and is interesting. It's not up for me to say if it makes sense. It's up for the listeners out there. No, I know. That's so I'm kind of worried about. I don't know if it made any sense or not. No, I, and you know, I think because on my end, it's, it's hard for me to put into words, I guess. Yeah. On my end, I am more of a logical person. And so it was not strange, but it was, I was kind of in Susan's camp. Not, I think I wouldn't be quite as mean as Susan where I just would be completely dismissing because I'm, I'm more in, inquisitive than that. I'd be like, okay, well, what did you see then? Like you obviously mm-hmm. thought you saw something like, let's go find out what it is. But yeah, I often found that like, would I, like I wouldn't have been, you know, I don't know if I would see it if I was one of those kids. Like, would I see it like with the type of mindset I have now? Like, and so that's just, I think, a really interesting question that, you know, it's very, I think, healthy to look at yourself and say, like, hey, are you guided by, like, faith or logic, right? And I think I, right now in my life, am definitely guided more by logic. And, like, I trust my mind. But often and throughout, I think, especially going deeper into the Chronicles of Narnia, like, I like having that logic of mine questioned you know that doesn't bother me when someone goes hey charlie like maybe logic isn't the only answer you know maybe you can't outthink this or maybe you can't understand this you know and so i really like that about especially this book and that part especially as they're following him and edmund sees the shadow and he's like i Mm -hmm. thought i saw it for just a moment and then they see him and he's like oh my gosh like yeah one by one they see him and even susan's like what i liked about susan too she's like you know i think deep down i believed you lucy but I didn't want to do it because I didn't think you were right. And you're like, that's really interesting. Like Susan did somewhere believe her and she kind of clarifies. She's like, well, I could have believed you. And I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. interesting. I feel like um, for me, it's much more about, you know, when I say spirituality, I don't mean like any kind of religion. Yeah. Because, you know, you can be spiritual and not be religious. Mm -hmm. Like I think like Buddhism is very spiritual. Buddhism. Buddhism. And like a lot of that comes from within yourself to know that not everything is going to make sense. Yeah. Not everything is going to follow this straight line or have this outcome or this path or whatever. And a lot of that, you know, knowledge has to come from within yourself, whether it be um, you've thought it through, you were flying by the seat of your pants or the healthy, you know, in between or whatever. So to me, like if someone is like going after something and if I was in this scenario, like I was woken up, I was like, yeah, I saw this. I saw this. Like we all have to go and do this. I feel as if the longer I would follow them, not that I would necessarily believe, but I would like you, like you, there is that part of me. that's very inquisitive. Yeah. I want to see this at the end. I want to see the conclusion. Yeah. And I want to see if I can believe, you know, what you're telling me. I guess in that way, I'm more like Trumpkin, where Trumpkin's like, hey, I'll, I'll follow the king. I, he's like, but I always like how he's like, yeah, we're going to die if we walk in. He's like, we're going to break our necks and fall. 
Maybe he doesn't. Yeah. Um, yep. Of course. So I just wanted to take that little side tangent because that, that was the first part that really stuck out to me as something mm-hmm. um, very profound. And so, of course, moving on, they get back to Aslan's How, as it's called now. It's just like this series of caves and tunnels. And I love how they go in there and they're listening at the door for the long time. And my God, the the thing the werewolf says is like horrifying. And I was like, because when it first said it, I was like, because I was like, oh, yeah, it's the werewolf. Right. And then when it said its whole thing about, oh, you yeah, like I'm I can fast for a hundred yeah, years. I was like, wait, is this a werewolf? And never die. And I was like, wait a sec. If I die, like, biting my prey, they must cut off my head with, like, my prey in it to bury it. Like, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's also that detail that I thought would actually come up later that Prince Caspian gets bitten. Does it say that? Does it say that Lucy uses the thing on him? Because I was Mm -hmm. like, wait, didn't a werewolf just bite you? Like, isn't that a bad thing? That, dude, I actually, after I read that, I Googled it and I was like, is Caspian a werewolf? Like, is that how this works? But I guess in Narnia, like, there just are werewolves. Is To my understanding, there are just werewolves. Like, there isn't, like, a werewolf curse. There are just werewolves. I'm scroll- scrolling. Jesus Christ. It's modern age. It's sad. I'm flipping pages here, and I want to read that Yeah, here line. are the pages, guys. Oh, I'm so glad I was flipping this. I loved that they started to call a Trumpkin DLF. Dude, that the- is so good. <laughs> when I read, when I was reading it to Ellie, I was like, I'm not going to say DILF to Ellie. You can't say it. I'm not. Just so say I was like, DLF. That's why I said DLF. And I was like, this is like written at a different. your dear little friend. And Edmund's like, yeah, we'll call him. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, this is not for the modern era. Oh, I think it is. I mean, DILF. Trumpkin. I mean, maybe he is, you know. You never know. <laughs> maybe he may have met a Trumpkin in real life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let, let him trump okay. my kid. So this is the, this is the line... From the the werewolf. Give me your good werewolf voice. All right. (laughs) A dull, gray voice at which Peter's flesh crept replied, I'm hunger. I'm thirst. Where I bite, I hold till I die. And even after death, they must cut out my mouthful from my enemy's body and bury it with me. I can fast a hundred years. And not die. I can lie a hundred nights on the ice and not freeze. I can drink a river of blood and not burst. Show me your enemies. I I, I listened to that and I was like, "What? Who is this guy? Like, <laughs> is he just exaggerating? Because yeah, that is horrifying. That is sounding. horrifying. And it's I really like how they're listening to that and how evil." Nickerbrick becomes where he's like yeah we're just gonna call back the spirit of the witch and you're like <laughs> I love how they do this part in the audiobook and uh. the way that yeah the wolf kind of reads it in like in a voice much like that and then the hag is like oh she will come and like everything's like getting crazier and crazier and then Caspian's like I see who friends all now a hag and a werewolf yeah and then they burst in the door the light goes out and there's like all the you know clamoring. crashing it's so well done. Mm. And that part, like reading it, it's pretty much just like yeah. that, too. It's it's really good. And Peter's like, Ed, you all right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I he's love... sitting on Trumpkin and then gets his, his boot yeah. in his mouth somehow. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, I do. I think one area that this is actually the first time reading 
you know, because I, I really enjoy the simplicity of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. This is your first time reading? But going into this, this was the first time where I was like, I kind of, I want a little bit more. Because I really like the idea, and maybe that's why I like it so much, and the idea I should just be satisfied with. I like the idea of, like, this young prince, Prince Caspian, King Caspian, fighting with this ragtag band. And, like, he's fighting for, what, three or four days and they're talking about like taking like brutal losses, like, oh hey, like one in five of my dwarfs is dead. And you're like, God, this guy this kid is what? Like 13, 14, 15. Yeah, around there. 15, probably. 16, maybe. Probably around 15, somewhere around there. And you're like, man, he's like he's holding it together. Like he's like holding these councils. And I mean, luckily is the centaur the centaur yes. uh, Glenstorm. Glenstorm. Cool name. Awesome. Um the three course, bulgy bears. Sorry. But of course, they, you know, take out Nick Brick. He just is killed. Everything yeah, is just killed. He, and Peter's like, yeah, give him back to his people so his people can bury him. Peter literally says, yeah, throw the hag and the werewolf like in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> and then give I, the dwarf a proper I love burial. it. I love it. I was like, oh my gosh, Peter. Okay. Well, because you got to think they went out and hunted hags and werewolves and like evil giants yeah. when he was high king. Yeah. So. And. You know, of course, they reunite, and I love how the one of the first things Peter says to Prince Caspian is like, "No, here, I'm not. I'm not here to take over for you. Like, I'm here to help make you king." Yeah, that's so cool. Like how Peter doesn't even—he's not bothered that somebody else is going to be king. It never comes up. I really like how him and Edmund are like very much like on the same page in this one. This is—it's really cool to see them work together. It's—it's it's, yeah, it's cool to see Edmund hold Edmund. Peter hold himself like a high king, like he's yeah. passing on, mm-hmm. you know, the kingship, basically. And Edmund is feeling that role that you heard of in the the very small description at the yeah. end of uh, Lion, Lich, and Wardrobe. Of he's like, you know, a great thinker, tactician, very just, very stern. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, okay. And then when he's like, when um Peter's fighting Miraz, like you see a lot of that too, you know. Yeah. And he's the one who like goes and delivers a message to Miraz for the one yeah. on combat. Oh, oh um, I love some of that part coming up. It's it's great. So I know we're like we're like hopping through this book pretty fast. But like this book is like all these books. I love you can. It's like a day or two. Read. I read this book in two you days. I mean, yeah, it's like then I could have read it in one. I just I just stopped halfway through because I was just busy. So yeah, I'm like these are good, like nice digestible books. I'm so even the audio is only like four hours long. I know. And so like you could listen to it over the course of a couple days. But yeah, I you know, and then of course they draft the letter, and of course I like how Peter goes back High to King let Peter. Oh my da, 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 da. gosh, da, 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 it's, it's da, da, great. Da, 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 like all these different like, yeah. But of course, it's good. They end up, and I love how it shows you how just kind of just <laughs> the Telmarine or what Telmarinians are just Telmarinians. Uh, Telm the Telmarines. Telmarines. I knew I was adding extra. Um, but you can how they're just like whole backstabby like those two guys those two generals oh um, let me find their names here yeah because um, their names are great also i want to say i love so far in these books you have like the first two thirds is like a lot of like good setup and the things happening and then the last third is like when everything happens yeah. i kind of like that it's a good way to to, to keep your attention i feel like glazelle but- and uh, Lord Glizelle. Sapespian. What that's that's a weird name. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so let me let me just here, hold on. Are I, you gonna read Peter's note? No, no, no. I love this part where 
So, but Glazelle stopped to stab his own king dead where he lay. That's for you, insult this morning, he whispered as the blade went home. Peter swung to face Sopepsian, oh, yeah. slashed his legs from under him, and with a back cut of the same stroke, walloped his head off. <laughs> like, okay, he's just dead. I, I actually bookmarked that page just to, like, read that aloud. And, and there's just... there's that one part where Peter goes, Come back, Reaper cheap, you little ass, shouted Peter. you only be killed. This is no place for mice. But the ridiculous little creatures were dancing in and out among the mm-hmm. feet of both armies, jabbing with their swords. <laughs> it's so good. I like that yeah. image. And, like, the, the fight doesn't last that long, no. mainly because, like, there's that really cool part where, like, the fighting, it's kind of getting, they're getting overwhelmed. Yeah. But then all the men, the Telmarines, just, like, throw down their swords and they're like, the woods! The woods! Yeah. It's the end of the world! The and you're striking, like, very striking resemblance to, like, uh, Two Towers when, like, the forests come. I like that. Or the, uh, the riders of Rohan or whatever come over the hill. Yeah, and, you know, the, of course, Aslan's God, that been part makes you the cry. Trees. I need to, like, watch the part later and cry. It's, like, such a... Oh, man, and the part... So this is... Sorry for our listeners out there. This is a little tangent. A book report tangent. So it's actually related. But I've been listening to Return of the King. And the ride of the Rohirrim in the book is just, if not more beautiful. You mean Two Towers? What? Is the the ride of, of the Rohirrim? Doesn't oh, so I'm talking about the Return of the King one. Like when they arrive at Pelennor Fields. And the sun is overhead and they... That is Return of the ride King. To Sorry. The wind. I was thinking of something. And the end Yeah, that one. But man, in the book, it's so good because Tolkien goes on to describe as Theoden like goes across it like nobody can catch him and his banners flying in the wind and he pulls his shield off and there's this great line, but lo, his shield flashed. And you're just like, yes. And he's like, not even the time of Orome since the battle of the Valar has every man sped. And you're like, yes. You're like, yes. yes. <laughs> um, but the, there's that part in the, in the two towers where it's just him, Legolas Gimli, and Aragorn. And they oh, have yeah. their three horses. And he's like, let's ride out to meet them. Yeah. It'll it, be such an end. Yeah. You know, he's <laughs> like, he's like, this is how you'll be remembered. And yeah. Theoden's like, like, yeah, let's do it. They burst through there. the door and they just like rush through. It's such oh. a good. We'll definitely get I'm, to. I'm crying at that part. I'm like, just having that kind of kinship with someone. Yeah. It's just. We'll definitely get to. And I would really love to do some um, Return of the King, like Lord of the Rings stuff later in chapters history. But well, sure. first, we have a lot more to go with Narnia. Of course. Or not a lot more to go with uh, Prince Caspian, but very many. We have five more books to go through. So back to Prince Caspian after the little tangent there. So, so they win the battle. Yeah, they win the battle. And, it's and great. they go along kind of liberating all the places. And then... Well, a part that's cool is when yeah. they get to the the bridge of Baruna. Yeah. And Aslan sends Bacchus to like free the yeah. giant like water... The water like, spirit, lord or yeah. the water king or yeah. whatever. And like it snaps the bridge and everything. Like the vines crawl up the yeah, it's really, side it's, of the, it's really cool. the bridge and stuff. is like really... Like here... Great strong trunks of ivy came curling up all around the piers of the bridge, growing up as quickly as fire grows, wrapping the stones round, splitting, breaking, and separating them. The walls of the bridge turned into hedges, gay with hawthorn for a moment, and then disappeared as the whole thing, with a rush and a rumble, collapsed into the swirling water. Oh, like, just yeah. such... That is written so it's, well. Yeah. I can like perfectly visualize. Yeah, these, the, yeah, <laughs> cracking it through. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just really, it's really cool. And then the whole part where 
because that's all happening apart from like the men retreating, the Telmarines mm-hmm. retreating from the battle with Peter and Caspian. Yeah. Um, also, just like the duel with Peter and Miraz is really cool too. It is but, cool. I really, yeah, we didn't really stop and focus on that, but yeah, their duel is cool. Um, I like how Peter's like, yeah, I'm gonna die, so <laughs> I know. Give my regards, and Evan's like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then uh, it's funny because Miraz just trips on something, and Peter kind of stands back. Yeah, and that's what the why doesn't Miraz get up? Well, I think he's just tired, and then the other guy comes in and is like, "Yeah, he's like, that's for the insult." And he, yeah. he doesn't last long. I mean, no, he dies like immediately after. <laughs> like their whole plan goes to rumble. <laughs> that's the thing. Is like the whole little I plan love, was just gone. I it was love like a how Game Miraz kill. is like totally undermined by these two dudes who are like, "Oh yeah." I mean, I wouldn't want to fight him. He's I, really scary, but I like w- it would yeah, be a smart thing. You are getting older, and he's like, "What? <laughs> you? Yeah, just like that." It's like, wait, <laughs> these guys actually helped the situation. But, and of course, I think I really love the last part where it's the the door. The Aslan creates the doors back, and basically sends the submarines back to our world because he basically this i think is really kind of flipped over way too quickly but the fact that like they came to narnia from our world like what hundreds of years ago and they've just been living in there i think almost like that like a thousand years ago yeah like he like, talks about like pirates and generations and stuff, yeah and, like, so it's really interesting as in just yeah so that first telmarine goes in yeah and it's like he's you know yeah, he's like i will go in well, like when no one else went, Aslan, like he goes close to him and Aslan like touches him on his nose and he's, the description is he doesn't look scared, but he looks, you know, like he stares off, like he sees more in a, in a weird way mm-hmm. and then just goes through and disappears. And yeah. Aslan describes it as, you know, you're going back to the island where there's food, fresh streams, there's fish to be caught and it's unpopulated. Like you can live there. You can live a good life, basically. Right. And yeah, there was just these different portals to Narnia back in the day from who knows when, who knows how, just a magic that connected our world to Narnia. Right, like conjunction of the spheres type situation. Yeah, like, and that they're slowly closing, you yeah. know, basically. Yeah. So that whole description is really, really, really cool. cool. Yeah. And of course, I like how it's actually the four children that have to kind of lead the rest of them through. You know, in order to get them to trust. Because, yeah, the first guy goes through and they're like, how do we know he just didn't, like, die? <laughs> and, of course, it's sad because that's when um, Peter and Susan are basically told that they're too old. See if I can find the exact line here. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. It literally just says, but not Sue and me. He says we're getting too old. That's literally all it says. Yeah, and there's, like, no, like, real reason as to why or how. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to to touch on that a little bit. So we kind of wrapped up Prince Caspian. And, of course, following Prince Caspian is going to be one of my favorites. And I know I think it's one of um, – I think it's our mom's favorite, uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is awesome. I'm really looking forward to that one. Of course, Dude, you get more Reaper Cheap in Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is great too. So I I really love how they establish Reaper Cheap as like this gung-ho, oh, great. like just amazing leader, Yeah, you know. But he's like a mouse. Yeah. And so like no one takes him seriously. But everyone at the end of the book is like, he's kind of he's, he's kind of a badass. Yeah. <laughs> Reaper cheap over here. But overall, Jack, what are your 
kind of lasting impressions of Prince Caspian. And if it's easier, kind of like compare and contrast that versus your impressions of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So Prince Caspian, like you said, I think introduces a like, it's a lot more. It is a lot more. Of Narnia. And I think that's what I really liked reading through this. I liked learning about the distant shores and this old Narnia and the new Narnia and mm-hmm. how like new Narnia isn't necessarily all bad. It's just this one part because they talk about Arkenland and he mm-hmm. can go stay with his uncle in Arkenland. Arkenland. Which sounds freaking cool. Arkenland is so freaking cool. It's just that, that name. It's an awesome name. Um, and you hear about the one more in the horse and his boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think so. I, th- I think that's right. That's a good one. Horse and his boy is really to get freaking good. Boy, yeah. God, the audio, the audio book of that one Honestly, is my favorite. Anyways, anyways, go ahead. So the the so line the line the within wardrobe, amazing like introduction. I think Prince Caspian then just takes that and is like, hey, that like we got level one. Here's level two, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's like the sequel you want. Mm-hmm. You know, like how you have Jack and Daxter, and then Jack Two is like Jack and Daxter, but yeah. like so much cooler. But, yeah. like, still, like, the same thing. That's what I think Prince Caspian is to me. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel any, like, slow parts in it personally. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy reading through it. And I think the size of the books makes them, like, really, you know, it's it, they, they don't overstay their welcome. No. I think. I don't. And as of right this now. This one in particular feels like it goes way faster than. That's what I'm saying. Like, the first, like, you know, two-thirds goes at a pretty decent pace, but then in that last half, it's like, oh, boom, 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 boom. Like, Aslan saves all these people. Like, there's a point where it's like, and then across the bridge, there's a school. And I'm like, wait, wait, are we back in the like school? Yeah, yeah, it does. Like, no, there's just, yeah, the little pig. Yeah. Little piggy children that he describes. Yeah, and I'm like, I, like, so much happens, but it's A feels, lot happens right at the end. It's almost like he wants you to feel, you know, I don't know how to really put into words. He wants you to like really feel that so much is happening without like going into detail about how it's happening. It's just like this happens and then this happens and Mm -hmm. then this not how do they get there? How far did they go? Here's the journey. It was just boom, 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 boom. And they're like going at this magical quickness. Yeah. Like everyone is. Mm hmm. At some point, like, Susan and Lucy get off his back to, like, run, yeah. you know, and they can keep up with them. Mm-hmm. And it's just really, it's really cool. The yeah. whole ending of the book is phenomenal, I think. And the way they put on, like, their school clothes mm-hmm. and the telemarines yeah. are kind of laughing at him. But then Peter gets in, like, in line, then Susan, Edmund, Lucy, and then all the telemarines behind them. Mm-hmm. All on a straight line through the door. And they talk how they see like three different worlds. There's the yeah. island, there's Narnia, then there's the platform. And that's that's what like stops for them and that's where yeah. they get off. Yeah. And that's like so it's just really cool. I love the the way magic is portrayed mm-hmm. in Narnia. Yeah. And it's portrayed in a way that I feel like isn't normally portrayed. Like it's not, because even like Cornelius goes, I know a little bit of magic, and he talks about like he can charm people to sleep. He can see people in like a crystal ball. But like you never really know what exactly like magic is, but it's more of like a feeling. It's like, ah, like it's almost like the force. No. Yeah. Force. <laughs> the the, the metachlorians. Mi- yeah. I was, I was about to say the mitochondria. The mitochondria. The powerhouse of the cell. 
<laughs> but yeah, ultimately, I did find myself, I think, wanting a little bit more from the end. I feel like it wraps itself up really quick because I really like the buildup. And I really like, I just think I wanted more of like the four children helping Prince Caspian become king. I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. But then I also realized that they're only there because Caspian blew the horn to call them there, right? Like, and I really like that revelation in the book. I think that one's a really cool one is when you realize that, oh, like we were called, they were called in this world because of the horn, which is really cool. And then Aslan's appearance in this one is also great. I like how he's a little bit more understated in this one. He's not quite as, he's very important to the events, but I like how he almost leans on the four children to kind of do the heavy lifting when it comes to Caspian's role in particular. Mm-hmm. Cause he kind of is like, Hey, I know like he, does Caspian see Aslan. I can't remember. I think, I think so. does he? See, that's that is one small issue I have with the ending of this book is that there are so many things happening and it's so quick and all of a sudden they're back. And then Edmund's like, oh, I forgot my I forgot my flashlight. Well, because Caspian sees him at the end and Aslan's like, you know, it doesn't matter how far descending you are from Adam and Eve, because yeah. that's one thing I thought was really interesting that the Telmarines are like humans like from our world. And so is Caspian. Right. Yeah. Like they are a descendant of like Adam and, generations and like removed. it was funny how. You know, Peter and the rest of them and Cornelius all looked at him like as I like looked at Aslan like, wait, excuse me? Yeah, they're me? like, what are you talking about, man? And Aslan's like, <laughs> I don't make the rules here. I'm just I'm Goodbye. just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, excuse me. He's like, see you later. And they're like, wait, we're not as important as we thought. Like it could By the way, here's a portal down in the world, but <laughs> snaps his fingers, I guess he has. <laughs> his paw fingers. But yeah, overall, I really like Prince Caspian a lot. I was much more I like getting into it again. Because I, like I said at the beginning, at the top of this episode, I kind of forgot like the beat by beat, but very quickly I kind of fell back into. I was like, oh yeah, like Prince Caspian is. I like how overall the book has, especially I would say the first three fourths have a kind of somber, sad feeling. Because like, oh, like the Narnia that they saved and they ruled is kind of been gone. There's like a nice for rekindling. Of years. Like halfway through the book, there's a nice rekindling. And there's, very, there's like a very somber kind of like sadness about that. But yeah, the stoking of that again is really good. It's really cool. And very sets us up. I mean, chronologically, like Prince Caspian or Prince Caspian, uh, Voyage of the Untreader follows this directly, which is great. Because if you remember, is it Caspian the Ninth who said, it said that he like sails away and doesn't come back. And that's the well, Caspian that they go look for. Well, Caspian the Ninth, and then all the people that Mira has sent away. That's right. And that's who Caspian the Tenth wants to go. Yeah, so that's where he goes. To go try to see. Yeah. And I love, I do very vividly remember the opening for Don Treader because it has starts with that picture and it gets more wet. Dude, I. Yeah, I'm excited for this. So movie. when I was like. And of course, Voyager and Don Treader has a, um, what's his name in it? Diggory? Yeah. <laughs> Diggory and what's her name? Polly. Not, does it have Polly? Is it, is it Polly? I thought it was just Edmund, Lucy, and Diggory, but I could be oh, wrong. You might be And I think Polly right. comes in silver chair. Yes. Or is Polly in... I don't remember. It's is fine. Polly the magician's nephew? I don't remember. Anyways, I uh, reading through this book more so than The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. You think of an abbreviation for that. I don't, I don't have the book in front of me. The Lion, the Witch, and the... But reading through this one, I really heard the audiobook like beat by beat for this mm. one. Trumpkin's like voice, 
the when she shoots the arrow and it twangs with the helmet them. Ah! Like that, you know? <laughs> and then with a loud cry. Like, I remember, like, all of that so vividly reading through this book. And it was just, it was really good. Yeah. I remember the trees going, Aslan! Like, yeah. Kind of freaky in a weird way. A little way. weird. A little, little creepy. A little, little creepy. A little, little creep. A little creep. Um, but overall, like I said, Prince Caspian, great read, great mm-hmm. listen. And I have, I'm excited for the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yeah. Which, great name for a boat. Oh, great. But I think that's about all I have for Prince Caspian. I, you know, I think in some ways Prince Caspian, when it comes to kind of the analogy side of it when you try to compare it directly to i think the faith aspect is one of the stronger and i think the running theme through this book i think lion witch and wardrobe definitely has more of an analogy to it overall like the whole kind of nature of the story itself while this one feels much a little bit more confident to be like standalone like hey this one's much more about just like the story itself rather than anything else like overarching themes necessarily yeah so those comes through and so i you know i think that's cool when it comes to that but again i mean uh, sorry ricky's meowing there she hasn't done that in a while she is yeah meow during the podcast but i think especially for me lewis's writing style is really what carries this a lot he's so good about describing things and really you know, I think a big reason why I chose these books, Jack, is that he's very, like, forgiving to new readers. Like, he kind of, like, brings you in and will kind of try to describe things in a certain way. Or he's very reliant on saying, if you've ever felt like this or if you've ever lost somebody. Like, he really relies on, like, a storyteller would. Like, a pulling at, like, specific emotions. And he's not afraid to be like, hey, no, like, this is how you should feel right now. And that's really refreshing to me. Like, it's very direct in the way. But you don't necessarily feel like you're being led anywhere. You more just feel like you're being absorbed into something. I, I agree. I do. You don't often see narrators being like, this is what this feels like. This is the emotion that they're feeling right now. It's often just, oh, the deep sadness that they felt could only be. It's like, no, it's like this is exactly what's going on. And hey, you know what? How you should feel right now. Mm-hmm. Like, can you empathize with this? Can you sympathize with this at all? Exactly. Um, and you really, like like you said, you really don't see that often. You don't see it that often I in other say, books. I would say, you know. Especially recent... in books like Lord of the Rings. Oh, I, I would like. say a recent example is uh, what it reminds me of a lot sometimes. And I think he goes way overboard. But uh, Series of Unfortunate Events does that a ton. Oh, really? Where it, like, breaks that third wall and he's like, I mean, Series of Unfortunate Events is like, you shouldn't read this book. This is a horrible book. You know, the it's lives of the border children. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would actually be a really fun one to read. That would be a fun one, probably. Because <laughs> the, the Netflix show is also very good as well. But is Jim Carrey in that one? So he was in the movie. He was in the movie. Neil That's Patrick right. Harris That's is right. Count Olaf in the Netflix series. Count Olaf. Count Olaf. Count Olaf. But, Jack, Blip. that is all I officially have for this episode of Chapters, a Booker Park podcast. Dope of course, nasty. we covered the end of Lion, Lewis, and Wardrobe, which... Very nicely leads into Prince Caspian. Uh, next episode, we'll be going over Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Very excited for that one. I I love this one, and I know it's our mom's favorite as well. Really excited to get to the Silver Chair. That one's one of my favorites. And of course, I I always say like, oh, that one's so good. And then I think of, oh man, Last Battle though, real good. You know what I mean? Like, I think of some of the stuff that happens in the Last Battle, and I'm like, 
Narnia does come a long way. Like, there's some horrifying stuff that happens in the last battle. Dude, the way they describe Tash is Tash. horribly freaky. Yeah. I remember that, like, scaring me when and I was especially a kid. I'm excited to get into that, like, last battle, because the last battle, I think, has some very good, like, good topics of discussion that we can talk about. I can't wait to become more learned by, like, the 30th episode of this and be able to pull analogies like you do. No. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But, Jack, we are about oh, yes. at an hour and 20 minutes recorded. Um, if you would like, Jack, do you want to take a take a little sit back here in our seat, a little relaxation? And uh, oh. I, I hear that you have some kind of quiz for me. Yes. But before we get into before we get into What was I going to talk about earlier that I thought was going to get a little too deep? Do you remember? I don't remember. Fudge. Before we get into that, though, I'm going to kind of wrap up our episode, and then that way people can kind of tune out if they want to. Yeah, of course, of course. Or course, they can course, hang around course, and listen. Of course, of course, of course, course. Everyone, course. thank you so much for listening to Chapters, of Book Report podcast. Of course, this week we covered Prince Caspian primarily. Um, chapters is all about just the joy of reading, and so I hope that this ire inspires you to get back into reading or to just join us as we read, of course, Voyage of the Dawn Treader coming in next for the Chronicles of Narnia. You can follow us on Spotify, really wherever you get podcasts, you can find us, rate us on Spotify. And, you know, most importantly, more than anything, is tell your friends. Uh, don't just share it. I think word of mouth really goes a long way into really helping spread the word of the podcast. Jack and I are going to hang out for a little bit, kind of catch up on some topics, just a casual kind of hangout. If you'd like to stick around for that, you know, more than welcome to join us. And if not, you know, I hope you have a great rest of your morning afternoon or evening i hope work is going well and you know what i hope life treats you kindly all right you sons of bitches get out of here all right dun, 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 dun. so what is Ruka, what is she meowing i don't at? know you want to go check yeah i'll go check i'll go check. now keep, li- keep everyone yeah. entertained yeah now listeners <laughs> no um yeah. yeah the fart cast no so i actually it's it's really bugging me that i don't remember what i was going to talk about I remember not talking about it in the beginning because I was no yeah I was gonna bring I was gonna get into a topic that was gonna be too long. I don't think it was a video game topic. I have to, I will go back when this episode comes out. I'll go back because Charlie's editing this one. I will go back and listen to that one and see if I can remember. And if I do, I will post a little uh, little sum in the Rack and Jerk collection, a little addendum. Yeah, I mean, I I might record it, might just text it out. Who knows? But guys, I'm actually gonna load up a little. I'm gonna continue my Slay the Spire run here. Um, oh no, I remember what it was because that's to do with gaming. You know what? You're right. It, it did have to do with gaming, but it's not gaming. Gaming. It has to do with uh like Twitch and stuff. That that whole side of the gaming. So, 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 Charlie says he's listening, and I have my doubts. No, I don't have my doubts. So, the other day, I, I've been changing my name slowly on a few different sites, like, away from Jack of Jacks, and the reason being is because I believe that, um, I started streaming at a very, uh, difficult time in my life. And I made Jack of Jacks as a, like a kind of escape, and it was like a very personal, very like, very close thing that I kept like very near and dear to myself because it was one of the few things I had to 
kind of get away from what was happening in the world. Uh, you know, so I go to work, do what I need to do at home, and then just like stream for like four hours, five hours. You know, like way past. I should go to sleep because I open way the past next my day. bedtime. Yeah, way past the bedtime I should go to bed at because, like, you know, I was like, I need like an escape right now, uh, and. For the first couple of years, like it really went super well. It was like really good for me. And then as time progressed and that part of my life dwindled and went away, which is very good that it did, um, the channel and my whole feeling towards it kind of started to lose itself a little bit. And I kind of came to a realization that there's a lot of negativity with that channel. And it's, it's too personal to really be like a viable thing that I do online and so I kind of decided that if I ever do come back to like live streaming or like really like really get into content creation it's going to be under like a completely different like pseudonym probably like a character or something something much more with like a heart and soul rather than coming from a place of I need to not be where I'm at right now and you know, I'm not like a single dude. I have a lot going on in my life that I'm very happy I do because I love where I'm at right now. But it doesn't allow me the time to sit there and try to like, okay, how do I revamp this channel? How do I go through this thing? It passes. Like, I don't have time for that. So I think I'm just happy leaving it with, I wish I like dropped it like four years ago rather than just like holding on to it, mm. you know? Yeah. Um. But I think I'm, I think I'm at a good place where I'm like, you know, I'm going to drop that and try something else. Try something else. Yeah. So I've been slowly like changing my Jack and Jack's names everywhere, and I want to change my PSN to something, but I don't know quite what yet. Hmm. But anyways, yeah, that was just something that you know, I went through. Th- there's something to that, because I often find that if I get stuck with writing, and like, I'll get stuck at a part or whatever it is, I often find that like opening up a new document and just starting work on like a new document, I don't format it. I just kind of like just stream of consciousness. I It really helps me not worry about anything that came before, you know, and then... I often have used those moments as like some of the best moments I've ever written because I've just been kind of disconnected myself and can say like, hey, like starting something new and fresh often like invigorates your mind in a way that when you know, hey, this is the 120th page I'm writing out of the 119 before that I somehow need to follow up. And so I kind of get that. But it's that same feeling where it's like, no, like a new name, new start. Yeah, like a new character, make it a lot less. Because I don't mind being like personal. Yeah. But I definitely like it was too personal to like try to maintain that mm. relationship with so many people. Um, trying to maintain that with new people that came in, oh. like the whole shebang. You yeah. know, I was like, I I need to step away, take some time, and come at this with a much healthier mindset. Yeah. So I had the realization a couple weeks ago. Nice. I'm feeling good about it. So nice. I have. Yeah. Unless you got, you got something. Oh, no. I was just going to go over my week a little bit. Yeah. But go, go over your week and then I think I got we'll, a quiz. We'll wrap, us up. <laughs> wrap us up with a quiz here. Okay. Yeah. Pretty good week overall. I did a lot of like closing at work. And so I had to like cancel the Indian stuff. So that was kind of upsetting to me just on like a personal level. Like that I felt like at work was invading. Cancel the Indian? No. Cancel the ND. Oh, D and D. I was yeah. like the Indian stuff? No. And, uh, but you know, it was, it was a good week good results out of that week which is always nice um beautiful 
And so I'm, you know, just tanking along. I mean, that's kind of where I feel like I'm at right now, where it's just, I'm like in a holding pattern with my life where it's like, I'm saving money. I'm just writing away in my book and recording every now and then kind of adding a little bit more to that audiobook collection. That way the whole thing doesn't feel so overwhelming. You know, I'm like, okay, I'll do this part and do this part. That's, that's how you gotta do it. Man. Learning as I go. Um, and you know, it's been it's been good, but I I do find myself I feel like I'm kind of like wearing a little bit like, and especially just when it comes to like household chores and stuff, I feel like I'm slipping a little bit, like I'm just getting tired, and so it's that's that's been bothering me a little bit. But it's one of those things where I think I'm rather than just rolling with it and getting more sleep or going to bed early, I, I fight it, and I'm like, oh no, I can stay up a little longer. Oh, I no, I can, and it just kind of creates this cycle of like, okay, you're tired this day. And then by the time you finally wake up, it's time to go to bed already. And so here I stay up a little longer, not realizing that you're going to make the next day exactly the same. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so just been trying to like go with the flow a little bit and just telling myself that, you know what, like having that control is not always a good thing. Like sometimes you just need to go with the flow. You just need to lean into the chaos, as chaos Michael would say. But, you know, overall, it's been a great week. I was That's really great. looking forward to this chapters episode. I really touched on everything I wanted to it's honestly been a joy to be reading these again. Like I, I will say, yeah, I've been I've been loving it. And especially as we're getting into like the latter half, like some of my more favorite ones, like, oh man, I Voyage Land Treader, I'm excited for it. It's been a long time since I've read it, but as with all of these, what's really weird is about halfway, like at chapter four in Prince Caspian, I was like, Oh, I know exactly what happens now. Mm-hmm. And I like I remembered like beat for beat. Like even that point where they go and get shot at by the arrows. <laughs> you know, and you're like <gasps> And even it's like one hit Susan on the helmet, I'm like Excuse me. So if they, were, around, how much they were that close to dying? freaking dying. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Jack. Yes. So let's wrap up this little hangout session with. A, I a was quiz. working a store today and I had a craving for a snack that I tend to lean towards. That snack in particular are Cheez-Its. Extra toasty Cheez-Its. This one, however, Charlie, if you can see, is an extra toasty Minecraft Walmart oh, uh, cheese that look like little Minecraft blocks. They don't. I wish they actually looked like that, but they don't. Just on the cover, they do. It's a Walmart exclusive, and on the back, okay. Build your Minecraft knowledge. Okay. All right. There are eight <sighs> questions. Answers are on the bottom. Okay. I think I've gotten four of these out of eight, so I am a Minecraft master, which I don't believe. I Wait, you get four? Hold on. Can I know the rankings? One through one through three. Your Minecraft adept. Okay. Four through six, Minecraft Master. Okay. Seven through eight, Minecraft Genius. <laughs> okay, I'm claiming that Minecraft Genius thing right okay. now. Okay. All right, let's go. Let's Number go one. It. Okay. What gift does an iron golem sometimes offer? A uh, little poppy. You want me to check it right now? I'm, I'm 100% positive I'm right. Like a little red rose poppy flower. Poppy flower. Yeah. <laughs> what okay. does the Ender Dragon drop when defeated? Well, so the... Like, he drops, of course, the dragon egg, but he drops a ton of experience dragon as well. Dragon egg. Yeah. What do mob... Oh, sorry. What mob do piglins hunt in the nether? The uh, hoglins. What block... This is the easiest one. Okay. What block can you smelt to create glass? <laughs> uh, God, that's going to have to be what? Stone? Dirt? <laughs> Sand. Sand. <laughs> what lives in the nether that helps you cross lava? Uh, Strider. Strider is correct. What can you use to make crops grow much faster? Bone meal. Bone meal. 
What can give you a speed boost if you swim near them? Dolphins. And what will protect your builds from lightning strikes? Uh, lightning rod crafted with copper. Oh, uh, Minecraft genius status according to the Cheese It Minecraft box exclusively Whoa! found at Walmart. The only Minecraft genius certified <laughs> Minecraft genius. This Walmart exclusive. Walmart Minecraft exclusive genius. extra toasty Minecraft genius right that was here, fun. baby. That was fun. I wish you could find more of those, but I'm not going to spend like three bucks every time I see a Minecraft coins. What if I just I, bring in some you know Minecraft the, questions every time? It's not that I play, it's not that I'm a Minecraft genius, I just play too much Minecraft. Which just makes you a genius vicariously. Yeah. Oh, man, you know, I'm excited to, because next week it'll be what, episode of Tangents. Double, oh, Tangents. Oh, okay, man. Right? I, was, I was thinking. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking I still had, Dude, like, I was coming up on a week of. Last thing I would say, I Maybe the numbers are wrong on Spotify, but Double Take Part 2 has like one stream and one listen. What? Just one. And I'm like, God, people hate my ideas. No, no I don't think it's that. I, I mean, you, I've, you've got to, for anybody who's sticking around this long, tell Jack the same thing. Jack, you got to know. It's My topic is like very appealing to like our parents, our grandparents. Yeah, so that's, what, that's what they all say. And that's, that's the problem. That's what they all say. Right. well everyone thanks if you're if you're still sticking around thanks for hanging out with us thanks yeah for thank you hanging awesome. out as i fed my cat and jack talked about streaming we did the minecraft quiz which i'm a certified minecraft genius now nobody can take that away from me no no one can like you legitimately are a minecraft genius legitimately a legitimately a minecraft genius but we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up here thank you so much for sticking around with us and hanging out and thank you, uh thank you, thank you. goodbye goodbye Bye. 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 He's dead!